Hey everyone, welcome back to Glow Says, where we continue today with part two of Flowerist with Shira McDermott. Okay, enough of me talking. Go ahead. <laughs> so what happened? You started this, you got together, you were excited. You probably had that kind of excitement, right? When you're starting something new, can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, and, and not yeah, to sound yeah. like cheesy, but I mean, I still wake up and feel excited. Amazing. That's great to hear. We really do enjoy w- what we do, yep. um, especially as we see the impact grow. But, you know, in those early days, wow, it was very challenging in a lot of ways. We started out having just a few contacts, um, yep. starting with Jana's stepdad, Bob Wallace. He was growing chickpeas at the time. He has since stopped, but he became pretty important supplier to us. And through him, we were able to meet some other farmers. And we kind of started with a very small roster of maybe three to four different farmers that would talk to us, keeping in mind that farmers, by and large, are quite established in Canada. Farming tends to pass through the generations. Mm -hmm. Land passes through generations. Mm -hmm. And they're just used to doing business in a certain way. And that usually means selling their entire crop with one or two phone calls to mm-hmm. a big company. It gets sold by the truckload and they never see it again. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing really there. You know, nobody's telling their story. There's no real recognition. They just kind of, it's very transactional. They're just selling a commodity kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. And grains and beans are traded on the commodity market, just like oil and gas. There really typically has been no difference. Mm. And that was a huge motivator for us. You know, why is this massive part of our food supply? You know, as humans, we all eat grains and beans, you know, whatever type of bread we eat. How is it that we've allowed it Mm -hmm. to be treated like a commodity? Mm -hmm. And how is it that we have accepted that all the good stuff goes away and we're kind of left with this really inferior quality product. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason I say that is it was, it's been a challenge and it's getting easier now. And we have lots of, lots more established connections with farmers, mm-hmm. but you know, it was very difficult to, to convince them to sell us, you yeah. know, to break a, a in. Boat. <laughs> yeah. To break <laughs> in. Like yeah. 2000 pounds on a pallet, you know, okay. yeah. um, this was a bit of a headache and to have these two city women or yep. gals, whatever you want to call us, you know, yep. phone, phone them up and be like, Hey, we want to tell your story. Yes. Can you send us a picture? We're going to have an illustration done and you're going to go on our website. And yes. it was very foreign. Um, I can imagine it was an interesting conversation for them at the dinner table, but not much more than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, we'll see where this goes, you right. know? Right. But we managed to convince enough of them. Okay. And we started bringing whole grains and beans in. We did our business plan and we secured a loan and we did purchase a flour mill. Our first flour mill it was from Austria. Wow. Jana and Tyler, Tyler is Jana's husband. They actually were able to go to Austria. Oh, wow. Um, in the summer of 2014 to mm-hmm. see where the mills are made and meet the family. Who okay. The family company. Wow. And so we purchased the first mill and it arrived, I believe it was early 2015. Okay. But the city wouldn't let us use it. Oh, why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, okay. How big is it? Is it the one that's sitting in your store? 
Yes, we have two of those. So we bought a second one to go in our store. So that's the same size as the one we currently have Okay. Uh, at our warehouse. So it came in through customs and then they're like, what are you going to do with it? We're going to make flour. And they said no. And the city was like, no, we don't know what this is. We don't have a, a box we can check. Um, right. No, just because they didn't know as usual. Yeah. yeah, no one had ever done it. And right, so of course. it actually got tied up with the city for two years. Oh my <laughs> Two wow. and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And during that time, we had already started the business. So yep. we we really were left with the task of marketing and selling the whole grain and bean side. We couldn't mill any flour. Right. Okay. Sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. So you started branding and marketing these grains, right? And you yep. started to get more farmers on board. But your idea really was to go for flour. Was that it? Like that was the main thing. Yeah. I mean, the traceability was the vibe behind the whole business. It was really our mission was to provide traceability in this important food category. But the area where we saw the most opportunity for the Mm -hmm. greatest impact Mm -hmm. was really with flour. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so our whole kind of existence became sort of focused on what's the conversation with the city today? Okay, yes. <laughs> what is the status of this latest thing they've asked us to do mm-hmm. all the while? Yeah, we had rent, we had bills to pay. And so we, we really just kind of hit the ground, putting our, our retail product in as many stores as possible, which, which mm-hmm. might've been when Why I came across it. it. Yep. And that was really handy. You know, I was able to kind of utilize my sales background. And it's awesome that so many retailers, especially in Vancouver, I mean, people love to stock a local product. So it was not super challenging. I mean, people were very happy to support the brand and and carry the product. But it was still early days for people to, as you say, your options for product like chickpeas uh-huh. are mystery bulk bins, which you know a lot of people are wary of, or cans, strictly uh-huh. because there's also a convenience factor there that can't be ignored. We're busy. We want to make good choices. Uh-huh. We want to eat as well as we can, but we don't have a lot of time. We don't. We don't want to have a pot of beans. Uh-huh. boiling over the stove for five hours and actually still end up being not very good. Right. Like um, might as well buy the can kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I may as well just buy the can. I can open it and drain them and I'm good to go. So we spent a lot of time in grocery stores demoing our recipes. We would make big batches of salads and we would uh-huh. set up set up a demo and we would chat with people in Whole Foods and lots of different retailers and just feed them. Yep. And engage with people in a conversation about about better dry goods and why it's a good idea to cook your beans from scratch. It's way better. But understanding that people have typically not had great experiences with it. Yep. Because of the options that are available to us. Right. And so one customer at a time, we would wow. say, take this box home, mm-hmm. batch cook your chickpeas, you'll mm-hmm. get nine cups out of this $10 box. Yep. You get nine cups of cooked chickpeas. You cannot buy cans for that price and your experience will be better. You'll digest them better. Wow. And here's some recipes. We did that for a number of years until we were able to fire up the mill. So you're educating from the ground up. <laughs> yes. One by one. Yeah. And, and that really informed our strategy behind sharing recipes and really kind of showing people how they can cook better for their families and yeah do so in a way that also tastes really good and feels really good. Yep. 
in your body. Which is great, but gosh, as a business person, it takes a lot of tenacity and perseverance to keep up with it when you've got this gigantic mill sitting, I don't know where they keep it, let's just say customs, where where the city is telling you, no, not today, and you have to keep going back. And then meanwhile, you still have to, you've got bills to pay, like you say. So you've got to keep peddling, for lack of a better word, all the grains and things that you have, right? And the commitments you've made. I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs could identify with that. That's not an easy time, (laughs) but you kept going. So that's fantastic that you kept going. I'm sure there are many times where you're like, maybe we shouldn't bother with the mill anymore. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was almost like humiliating. We would show up at, at our warehouse and you know, the mill was just sitting there. It was this really nice accessory that we would put things on. Right. And, um, storage unit. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And it looked beautiful. Right. It's Um, beautiful. Thankfully we did persevere. We were very lucky to have each other. I think that helps. Yes. Yeah. I know a lot of people, especially other entrepreneurs that we talk to when I meet people who are in business by themselves and especially people, you know, marketing a product in particular, the food product, the food business is very hard. Yep. Um, I really commend people who start a food brand and Mm -hmm. sell or make and sell a food product on their own because I know how hard it has been for us, Yes, but we have, you know, we've been a team. And so there've been lots of difficult, really challenging times, but if Jen is having an off day, I'm having a great day and vice versa. And we're kind of there for each other. Which is um, great. Yeah. Very rarely are we off at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I would find it really challenging to be by myself. I think so. I think so. And I think that's valuable. You said that. I think the food business isn't easy. You know, it seems easy to start and everyone loves food. It's a very friendly thing to be in, but it's a business, right? You put your time and effort into it and it's not easy. So all the more we have to know the stories of the people who are successful. And I, I think it's even more challenging for people who want to do things in a more disruptive way, whether it's just use better ingredients and Mm -hmm. support small producers. Mm -hmm. And until we get to that point where there's more of a critical mass demanding these products and appreciating these products, there's accessibility issues for sure. Better food costs more. So when you're starting out and you're small and your buying power isn't big, it takes a lot of resolve to, to make those decisions we're getting there. And that's why it's really exciting now. Even just talking to to people like you, we connected over a sourdough bread class, but the more people that discover how much better our flour tastes or how great they feel when they eat wheat berries, the more impact we make. Yeah. And uh, we see that. Yeah, no, it's great. We could go down this road a while because I know you've got a lot to offer, but our time is somewhat limited. So why don't I ask you some fun questions? <laughs> but jumping off that though, to transition, what does keep you motivated though, besides each other, right? And bes- you believe in this for sure. But what else? What else have you found? I think connecting with our customers and seeing that we make a positive impact in people's lives mm-hmm. is why we do this. And you know this by feedback to people? Yeah. Know, loyalty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we meet people who just thank us for what we're doing, when people write to us and say that they haven't been able to eat bread for 10 years because it makes them feel really terrible, but they can eat bread made with our flour because, Uh you know, it's a pure product. There's no additives. It's not processed. Yeah. 
or a sense of community when people are posting the pictures of the bread they bake or a recipe that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, having a positive ripple effect is incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I bet it is. So yeah, great. I'm glad the community is supporting you that way for sure. So what do you consider yourself? I was thinking when I was writing this, are you a flower maker? Are you a grain dealer? Are you a bread whisperer? <laughs> what do you consider yourself? Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> I'm, def- I'm personally... I think you're all those things, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm getting better at being a bread whisperer. Um, <laughs> I made bread actually this weekend for the first time in a while. Okay. Um, Jan and I needed to test a new recipe that we actually have coming out for a sourdough boule. We've had a recipe up for a while, okay. but we've just gotten some feedback that it needed to be tweaked. And so we've got a new one and it was really awesome to have such a successful go at making my own loaf I guess we did right we did internalize a lot of the a lot of the skills we were kind of teaching to the people who were taking our classes for all that time okay I don't know I think first and foremost I would consider myself a food lover and hopefully a change maker yes I would say so yes (laughs) I I would agree with that sit with that one that's a good one (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite way to eat your bread butter and salt oh you're like me. I think so too. <laughs> What's your favorite way to cook tofu? I noticed that on your pictures and your blog, you have quite a bit of literature on tofu. What's your favorite way to cook it? And what kind of tofu? Soft? Medium, yeah, as a vegetarian, I've eaten tofu for my whole life. The recipe that I make the most has to be my baked tofu triangles. Okay. Um, it's a recipe on my personal blog. It's incredibly easy to make and it's totally foolproof. You cannot mess it up. Okay. And it's the one most used by other people as well. And it will actually make a, someone be able to appreciate tofu if they've never had it before or not okay. had good experiences with it. Okay. And do you find yourself making the tofu ahead of time and then just sort of eating from the fridge all week or what do you do? Cause does it take a long time to it bake? Doesn't, no, this specific okay. recipe, you'll have the ingredients in your fridge. It's basically ketchup and soy sauce and oh. then you you just don't need to do it in advance at all just cut the tofu uh-huh. uh, dip it in the sauce and bake it and it's ready in 30 minutes oh okay wow wow I'm gonna try it because that is one thing even for me I mean I'm of Asian ethnicity I really should know tofu better <laughs> than I do <laughs> but I don't know it that well because we didn't eat that much of it I would say we'd go out to eat it and whenever we ate it it was always with meat right there's like mabo tofu yeah. or you know something like that or it's deep fried so <laughs> it's which is good <laughs> but definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. there's so many different ways to enjoy it but this by far okay. is the one that and mostly it's the easiest to make. You're baking it, which is really nice. There's no fry mess to clean up. There's no okay. frying pan. You're not cooking with a bunch of oil. So you also feel really good after you eat it. Ah, okay. That's good. What grain do we all need to have in our kitchen? Grain. Or what product? If I came into your store and I had to buy one product, which one should I? I would definitely recommend everybody needs to experience flourish chickpeas or French lentils. Mm, okay. And right away you need to try the sifted red spring or the sifted red. It will just completely, both can work in all applications where all purpose or bleached flour will work and it it will improve your health and it will improve the flavor of anything that you make with it. Okay, cool. 
are you guys planning to add more? Like, are there a lot of flowers available that we just don't know about yet as a public? Do you know what I mean? It really just comes down to the grain varieties. Okay. And so our most popular flower, the highest in demand is the sifted red spring, which you're probably familiar with. It's yeah, the, it's the best flower for bread. Okay. And that's really because it's the grain variety that makes it the most suitable for bread. So there's really nothing else for bread outside of that. That's the okay. one variety that Canadian farmers grow yep. for bread. The sifted red fife, the red fife wheat, it's slightly mm-hmm. softer. So it lends itself more to places where recipes that you would use all purpose flour in. Mm-hmm. It's less suitable for bread. It just doesn't provide the same amount of gluten structure. Okay. But outside of that, it really comes down to preference. If you want to experiment with different flavor profiles or just digestibility issues, a lot of people find they prefer how they feel when they use spelt flour. A lot of people have discovered einkorn flour, which is another ancient grain. It's very easy on the tummy. And at that point, it's really about personal preference. Okay. But other than that, I think what we're doing is, is really going to form the core of our business going forward. Right. Okay. And what is it going to look like going forward? To me, from your story, it's almost like a pinnacle. Do you know what I mean? You're in your zone, your zone of genius, this flowerist. (laughs) But knowing you, you've probably got lots of other ideas and things going on. So where do you think flowers will go or be, say, in five years, let's just say? Yeah, I mean, without saying too much, we definitely want to continue to see the, the brand grow. There's a lot of people in the world that are still baking with inferior processed flour and a lot of people who are striving to make better, healthier food choices, moving away from eating animal proteins, whether it's entirely or just incorporating more, more plant-based proteins into your life. And so mm-hmm. we think there's a lot of, a lot of expansion just from what we're doing now. We actually haven't been able to meet demand for our flour, especially at peak times. You know, our mills are currently at capacity. And so we have found a new warehouse and we do have a third mill mm-hmm. that will come when we're ready to move into our new warehouse space, which is, is twice as big as the space we have now. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is really just to keep our brick and mortar space going right now. COVID has presented obviously its fair share of challenges for mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. but where our online business is concerned, we ship flour all over North America. Wow. Okay, great. So focusing on just expanding our capacity to be able to just produce more and grow that side of the business is is going to be our focus for the next while. That's great. I forgot to ask you when the city released your flour mill. (laughs) Oh, it was, um, (laughs) they did, right? (laughs) It was May of 2017. Ah, okay, good. And then that's when you were able to sell the flour in the bags that you do, right? Yeah, we were able to start selling the flour. And that was when we started to have monthly pop ups where we actually had a baker, she ended up opening the bakery with us. And so once a month, we would pop up at Main Street Brewing, we eventually moved to DeBepi restaurant in Gastown to do our pop ups after that. Yeah. And yeah, we would do monthly pop ups, and we would do pre orders of bread and flour. Yeah. So people could experience what the product actually tasted like. Okay, cool. Here's another fun question I want to put in there. How much bread can you eat in one sitting? (laughs) Oh, I've been known to eat three quarters of a loaf. No problem. 
Really? Wow. And that's a big loaf too. I think I could do that too. If it was fresh with some butter and salt, I could keep up with you for sure. <laughs> Just give me that in a glass of wine and I'm, I'm good. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to all the things because I've noticed that you've been adding more great products like olive oil and I love the hummus, the green sauces. I actually always have a green sauce in my fridge. I should probably ask someone how long that lasts for. (laughs) (laughs) I try to use it within two, three weeks kind of thing. And I look forward to what other things that you add because I know that they'll all be well sourced and all good for my tummy. (laughs) So I really look forward to that. Yes. It's been really fun providing people with an expanded selection since yes. we started doing delivery. We are very excited to have people back in our space at some point. Okay. We hope we're able to do that soon. Okay. Um, it will be in a, in a, obviously a limited capacity, but we've had a lot of a lot of fun marketing and selling other products, whether it's produce from local farms, some traceable dairy options, spices that we like to use, and right. it's been great to see people take advantage of that. I mean, they trust you, right? That you've got that, so they will follow you, <laughs> and whatever you provide, they'll believe that it's good for you. So, I'm looking forward to what appeases your palate, <laughs> so that we get to buy it from you. That's great. Yeah, we just try to share what we love, and if we believe in it, we want to make it available to as many people as we can. Great. Thank you for your time and your story. It's been so great to talk to you. I really Thank appreciate you, Gloria. it. Yeah, it's been, I'm very glad that we were able to take, take this time and yeah, congrats on doing your podcast. It's really cool. Well, congrats to you too. And I appreciate what you do, you and Jenna. So good luck. <laughs> take care. Thank you so much. Okay. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Personally, I have been using Flowers Flowers at home for a couple of years now. Let me give you an example of how alive, active, and therefore fresh these flowers are. I first ventured into the whole sourdough bread making thing a couple of years ago because, you know, it was popular, fun, and who doesn't love fresh bread out of their own oven? So for a good part of the year, I was feeding the starter regularly and it was thriving. Well, eventually the seasons changed or I got busy or something, and I left the starter in my fridge and completely forgot about it for at least three months. I want to say it was even four or five. When I took it out, it had this dark gray, kind of black around the rim looking hooch on top. They call it hooch. And even though I normally just toss the whole thing away, I couldn't help but open the lid and take a whiff of it. But surprisingly, it didn't smell sour or rancid. So I did a bit of research and I decided to just remove the dark stuff, like kind of pour it out and scoop it out. And sure enough, underneath the flower looked and smelled fine. I was totally shocked by that. So I decided to bring it back to life with some feedings just to see if it was, you know, actually alive and what I could do with it. It was a bit of an experiment. I was prepared to commit to it for a couple of weeks. After one feeding with a flowerous flower, maybe two. It wasn't more than two feedings for sure the starter became alive and it was actually bubbling and hitting the top of the lid on that jar. And I was using like an earnest ice cream jar, okay? So with the next feeding, it spilled over. I couldn't even believe it. It was bubbly and it was spilling. Remember, this stuff was dormant for months, completely forgotten about in the back of my fridge. I actually made a little video of it on my Instagram at Glow Says from last year, well before I interviewed Shira or even thought about asking Shira to be on the podcast. So no need to further convince me. I know you can trust this source. Check out her blog called In Pursuit of More 
for heaps of recipe ideas using these dynamic ingredients. They've got lots of great recipes on florist.com as well. Follow me at Glow Says on Apple or Spotify, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.